1: Yesterday's throne speech was long on ideas and very short on specifics. What's clear is the Liberal government's intention to continue its ambitious spending habits amid the pandemic on areas like childcare, wage subsidies, and the Conservatives aren't happy with the plans for all that spending. And what about the Prime Minister's address to the nation in the evening? It left a lot of people scratching their heads because it contained nothing new or urgent. And the speculation was that uh, Trudeau wanted to get on the evening news instead of just Julie Payette. Uh, I'd like to bring in our panel. We have Rob Richardson, who is a liberal strategist and senior counsel to national public relations, and John McCutishon, a conservative strategist, political consultant, and president of the Bradgate Research Group. Thank you and welcome. Hi, how is everyone? Hello,
2: Libby. Hi. Great to be here, Libby.
1: Okay, so let's uh, start with that. Was I, was I being unkind about the uh, motivation for the Prime Minister's speech to the nation?
2: Well, I'm um, but I'm Libby, but, but I'll, uh, I'll, uh, we'll, we'll let you off a little here. Uh, <laughs> no, uh, look, I think, uh, uh, look, the government hit the reset button. It brought in a throne speech. Uh, throne speech by their very uh, natures tend to be a bit like the Mandarin buffet. There's something in there for everybody. Uh, that's uh, hardly anything new. I think what the government did is it outlined what it had done on COVID and what it had done on the economy, both of which I think they get good marks for and it uh, outlined an ambitious uh, agenda of what they would like to do going forward. Uh, throne speeches are not meant to be the fiscal document of the government. It's meant to give sort of the broad outline of what the government wants to do. And then and then we'll have an economic update, obviously, in the fall and a budget next spring. And those are the ones where you put, uh, put the meat on the bones.
1: Right. So, John, wh- what was that additional speech to the nation then?
3: It was all part of the smoke and mirrors campaign uh, by the Liberal government under Prime Minister Trudeau. Um, you know, six weeks ago, he said that uh, he needed to reset, recall Parliament. Uh, he had a had a, needed a new mandate and a new plan. And what we saw was, uh, you know, the reality was, is uh, what sadly uh, too many uh, critics said that it was an opportunity for him to shut down all the parliamentary inquiries into his uh, misdeeds and perceived uh, uh, crimes and misdemeanors, and um, hoping that people between the pandemic and the end of summer and the beginning of school year would be uh, fooled into thinking there was something new coming. And what we got yesterday was a shopping list of every old liberal idea. Uh, It it actually was interesting. I, I was kind of cynical on it at first, and I thought about it. He's actually, in his throne speech, given uh, everyone a checklist of everything he's ever promised in the past and never delivered. So based on that, uh, unless he can find some uh, support somewhere through legislation, uh, he will have actually helped uh, create the end of his term of office.
1: Uh, Bob? Bob, are you there?
2: Yeah, that's ridiculous, but comes as no surprise. I think what he did is, uh, look, he outlined what they did in the last seven months on COVID. Uh, they did, I think, a very good job on PPP. They've done a good job Canadianizing PPP, where a lot of stuff is now being done here. Uh, they've signed all sorts of uh, agreements on vaccines. They've had 15 different meetings with provinces and have worked extremely well with the provinces, I think your friend Doug Ford would have a different view of the federal government's uh, role in, uh, in the last seven months as it relates to, uh, dealing with this uh, pandemic. Uh, they dealt with economic issues in a very tough environment, setting up CERB, CIBA, the emergency wage, uh, uh, work. Um, the spending that, uh, conservatives seem to be getting themselves all excited about, although they generally tend to vote for it in the House, um, is consistent with the spending that's gone on in other G7 countries, Germany, France, Britain, and others. So, you know, we're going to hear a lot of sort of gas-bag comments from conservatives um, who have no ideas, who have no ideas on what to do going forward. uh, But, uh, but, and, and by the way, don't have the courage to vote against things in the House of Commons in the last seven months. They vote for things in the House of Commons and then run around and complain about them afterwards. They have little credibility, and they are little uh, have very little to uh, take them seriously on.
1: The one thing where I thought it was an interesting critique from Candace Bergen, I mean, she called out the Liberals on this, uh, I wouldn't even know what to call it, but this thing they keep repeating, saying, we the government are in a better position to borrow money then you, the people, which uh, to me, I, I get the criticism, you know, we, the people, are going to be taxed and paying it back. Is, is that a successful kind
2: of line? I hate that line uh, that the government uses, and I'm not prepared to defend it. I think it's a goofy line. I agree with the sentiment on it. In that, uh, the government has certain responsibilities. The government can uh, borrow at uh, at uh, lower rates, uh, and the government, uh, as long as the economy is growing and we have a reasonable debt to GDP ratio, um, it, it makes sense to you know continue on with pro- with programs that are helping people today. I, I just think it's a crummy um, uh, example to use, and I wish the government didn't do it.
1: Okay, well, something that you both agree on. The the other thing I wanted to clarify, because I, I hadn't been aware of this, is uh, I heard some commentators saying this, that, that the governor general at the last throne speech, quote, freelance. So uh, could it be that he addressed the nation because he didn't know what she was going to say?
3: No, I think it was, um, it, it was, Uh, A move meant to uh, distance himself from the governor general, Um, you know, I think pretty much there's consensus on this, is that uh, she is tainted. And uh, if you're the liberal government who's in a difficult position because you've got a governor general that you appointed is under quite a cloud and under investigation, that you'd rather have your words come from uh, the, the lips of your own leader and i think that was a smart move on behalf of the prime minister um people were expecting something more of substance rather than merely a recitation and brief of the uh of the throne speech but it's it's also the it, it's also uh, another move or a nod towards the american system where uh you know they don't have a governor general uh they have uh, annual you know state of the unions And, you know, the Liberal Party has got a long and proud history of uh, making Canada more like the U.S. And I think this is just the, you know, the latest step in politics to, you know, have uh, the Prime Minister be the one who gets credit for his words rather than uh, having all the coverage being uh, the
2: Governor-General.
1: Okay. Let's take a call from Pat in Toronto. Hi, Pat.
2: Hi. Uh, What hit me most of all was the comment coming from Mr. Singh. Who was suggesting that we should have a wealth tax, and I just groaned. We used to have that in Canada up until 1971. We had it in the Ontario government until 1978, and they had it in Quebec till 1984. You can't collect money from people on wealth. It just disappears. But I think what's happening is Trudeau is probably going to get in bed with what I would call the Robin Hood Party. Um, and who knows what we're going to get, uh, shoved on us. I mean, that's, that's what's bothering me.
1: Okay, Pat, thanks for your call. Lots of ideas, lots of, uh, I would say, quite vague promises, uh, and uh, not too many specifics, but it was a throne speech, a little controversy there with uh, the Prime Minister, I guess, wanting perhaps to take a little attention away from Julie Payette and her troubles, not to mention his own troubles. Bob, uh, is, is he done with the WE scandal or is it going to trail him?
2: look i think there's still be some committee uh hearings which are entirely appropriate i think that there's a number of unanswered questions that need to be answered um i wouldn't be surprised if they call back our uh the the folks uh from uh from we i think some of the air is out of the tires uh of that one but uh i think um most canadians want to see the government focus on a their health and doing everything they can on the coronavirus. B bringing the economy back, and C figuring out, geez, uh, how do we take advantage of the situation that we're in now to kind of refashion the economy, refashion things to move ourselves forward? I think that's what folks are focused on. I don't think they're so focused on the we scandal anymore.
1: Mm-hmm. John, do you agree?
2: Uh,
3: yes and no. I, I I agree with them in general, but I'd say that uh, you know, in, in part of that, there was an opportunity to move on. And instead of uh, coming up with something new or answering the questions on how, uh, specifically on the pandemic, we got a lot more of a set of recycled promises that weren't uh, kept when the liberals had a majority government. So I'm, uh, I'm afraid that uh, you know most people were disappointed. Most people were uh, disappointed and more cynical after hearing that throne speech than ever before. And now the commons uh, committees will go back to work and they'll pick apart everything they can because that's what opposition parties do, especially in a minority.
1: Uh, A couple of things on that note. Uh, I've heard from older people. We have older people in our audience who are not happy that the promise that they made before the last election has not been made good on. They reiterated it, but that's a a government trick. And that is a 10% increase in old age security for people over 75 and also an increase in widows benefits. And the one good thing that they did mention that people are very happy about but may be difficult to execute is the national standards for long-term care. Bob?
2: Well, you know, we'll wait and see what happens both in the fall economics statement and in the budget. I think there are things that the government is committed to. Um, Governments do do things over the course of their term in office they don't do everything the day that they're sworn in um they've got a, a number of uh things on um, on their plate and there was a small uh, uh pen, a pandemic that also happened to pop it's uh it's ugly head up too as well so let's see what the government does both in the uh in their fall economic statement and in in their budget and if they don't do anything on those two files um after the budget then i think some of the criticism is probably uh valid if they do well then uh then we can move on from that point but uh i think every once in a while governments should be cut some some slack whether it's the trudeau government or whether it's the ford government at queen's park um, they're all dealing with a lot of stuff they weren't expected to be dealing with and that's played, up, played around a lot with people's timelines.
1: John, how uh, damaging is the fact that the two, two of the, his main critics have COVID-19? Couldn't be there. We have Aaron yeah. O'Toole, and, and he's just brand new as a leader, and, and uh, Yves-Francois Blanchet.
3: Yeah, I, I think it's uh, uh, more annoying and frustrating than it has any real significance. Uh, the reality for Mr. O'Toole, as great a guy as he is, is that uh, most people, most Canadians won't be aware of him until the next general election. That's just a reality for new leaders. It takes an election before the general population pays any attention to who they are. Um, you know, I thought he was, uh, you know, uh, well represented by his caucus colleagues yesterday Um, And, you know, I mean, it's it's annoying, but the messages are coming out quite clear from both leaders that, uh, you know, the throne speech is not something that they're going to support. So, you know, it falls to the NDP to uh, sell their souls or make a deal with the devil.
1: Uh, Okay, and uh, Bob Richardson, any chance that this government will fall or uh, are people uh, a little too cautious and smart for that?
2: Look, weird things happen in minority governments. Just ask, uh, you know, Mr. Clark in 1979, a uh, government that should have been, you know, uh, reelected. So I would say there's always a 20 percent chance when you're in a minority that something strange could happen. I would say 80 percent chance that uh, this throne speech will pass uh, and that uh, – and that uh, really um, when the opposition will have their opportunity to bring the government down or or the government can engineer its own defeat will be around the budget time, I think that's probably more likely or even more likely uh, an election next fall.
1: Okay, John, do you agree if, with if that? If I could
2: just add, Libby, the, the, the other thing that nobody's
3: paying attention to is that parties can thump their chests and say we're voting against, but that actually requires people to uh, show up and vote. Yes. And more than once, there there is an opportunity for parties to say we're totally against this, but uh, we don't believe it's in the best interest of the country to have an election so they can abstain or just not vote.
1: Hmm. Okay, well, we'll see what happens. That's kind of chickening out.
3: <laughs> yes, but it avoids an election nobody wants.
1: Okay. Uh, we're basically out of time, so how about 15 seconds for Bob and
2: then for John? <laughs> Uh, Look, I I would give this uh, throne speech a 7 out of 10. I think the government has more work to do on COVID, on the economy, and it also uh, uh, needs to uh, be much clearer on child care and pharma care. Uh, There's been a lot of talk. Uh, They need more action.
1: Okay, John, 10 seconds.
3: Let me balance it out. Based on what the Prime Minister said he was going to give us when he prorogued the House, I'd give it 0 out of 10.
1: Okay. That's clear (laughs) enough. And uh, remember, Free For All Friday is coming up tomorrow, and that's all the time we have for today. Thank you so much, John McAttishan and Bob Richardson.
0: You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one.